Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Dracula. One Wolfman. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Norman, literature geek and writer. Ahoo! I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. <laughs> and we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You hope for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. I have a sneaky suspicion we've done Dracula and the Wolfman before, but uh, happy October ween. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's, ho- it's October. That means you celebrate Halloween the entire month. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, it should start in August. I'm thinking, you mean Frankensteinly? It starts in August. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm ashamed to know you. <laughs> I would have it no other way. Hey guys, how you guys doing out there? Uh, Frankensteinly, <laughs> they're doing great. <laughs> exactly. I just coined a. That's a that's a new word there. Free charge, is, no charge for that best, one. The best new word possible. Uh, we're going to be discussing my favorite thing is monsters by Emil Ferris later on in Nerdboy Book Club, Volume One, not Volume Two, which isn't out yet. <laughs> Doesn't isn't a thing yet. Not yet, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, it's it has monsters in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rawr. Totally playing that. Mm-hmm. For October. Totally planned it. You ready for other comic books here? Uh, I just just can't stop the comic and. Okay, uh, we can start the show uh, for a second. It's time for weekly floppies. Weekly floppies is the part of the show. Eric and I will read a selection of this week's books. Do you buy or do not buy them? There may or may not be a mush meter involved. It goes from one to five, depending if we feel mushy about our decision. Our first book is Batman number 32, The Conclusion of the War of Jokes and Riddles, written by Tom Screen, Tom King, whew, pencils, inks, covers, Mikkel Janine, colors, June Chung, Clayton Cow's letters. So I was, I mainly just picked this because I knew there'd be, I knew the answer to the Catwoman marriage proposal thing was in here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't read the entirety of the War of Jokes and Riddles yet. I feel like I wanted to touch on where Batman was going with here. Spoilers. If you haven't read this one yet and you want to have it fresh, even though I've saw it literally like a dozen different places spoiling it the day it came out. Uh, so, uh, married Batman. Mm hmm. What are your thoughts? I'm sure she'll fall off a bridge. <laughs> oh my god! And You're something so, will happen, so he can be even broodier. So cynical, Eric. Come on, they wouldn't do that to a female character. Oh yeah, chop her up or put her in three refrigerators. <laughs> Why well, leave it at one? She gets the extra special treatment. I'm interested. Um, sure. <laughs> nope. I, I I I I like Tom King's treatment of batman i'm not entirely uninterested in 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 that i i'm so cold on on this plot line though i don't know which the uh the the war the war plot yeah, the jokes and riddles thing I mean, 
nothing in it feels like it's handled wrong. I just kind of just feel so flat on it. I don't care. I, I frankly, I am interested in seeing married superheroes. Mm-hmm. I like that. I liked when I liked it when Peter Parker and Mary Jane were married. I like I like Sue and Reed. I like married couples. I like Luke and Jessica Jones, who are I don't think they're I forget if they're technically married, but they they are an established couple with a child. So you you want comic books about uh, superheroes that uh, they won't go out at night. <clears throat> they sit at home and play board games in a blanket. I mean, and pet their cats. Yeah. Okay. I do. I mean, I would buy that probably. Art imitates life, I suppose. I am not. I'm not gonna lie and say and act like I'm. <laughs> say like I'm so high and mighty. Yeah, that appeals directly to my interest. So yes, I probably would buy that. <laughs> I'll write that comic for you. It'll That'd be, be amazing. Mm-hmm. That's the the married couple playing D and D comic book. I'm totally <laughs> cool with that. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, like, it's just a dynamic that it seems like both Marvel and DC are terrified of. They never want to have any of their superheroes getting married because it's not. Dude, most of your readers are old. They're probably married. You can. Mm-hmm. Th- it's fine. Uh, and it's not like all of them are married. It's okay once in a while. I, I don't know. Batman. I. If if it, I I have enough faith that they're not just gonna kill Catwoman. If anything, she'll betray him. <laughs> That's more likely in my mind. She'll sell him out or something. Uh, what about the uh, the whole the Joker stopping Batman from killing the Riddler thing? Don't care. Still I more. Thought it was an interesting swerve. I I don't know. I think if anything, he is handling the characters in a way that's interesting. But you tell me this whole plot line about jokes and riddles and I, I, I can't give a damn. I, I don't know. Like I, I still like Tom King at the helm of this book, but I don't care about this. If that makes sense. I, the book in itself is a snooze fest, but I, Tom King is not upsetting me for any particular reason. I don't think he's doing a bad job. It's just, I don't know if this, if this arc, was his creation it's leaving me cold but i still i don't know i still have a lot of faith in the man i don't feel let down yet are you uh are you are you entering the post batman part of your life eric that was years ago I'm not, <laughs> so it's I'm post not, is it post post batman, batman? yeah yeah we're post post i mean there's there's there i i got a lot of posts i'm like a i'm like a whole shitload of fences up here <laughs> We are we're killing it. I'm so it. sick of I'm so sick of this um this Mikel Janine copy paste these things. This is so irritating. When it's when it's like God, when it's bad, it's so noticeable. Always making the same damn face. It's so nuts. So where do you sit? Oh hell no. <laughs> I'm throw this book in the trash. Okay, I'm a buy. I like it well enough. That's fine. <laughs> Split decision on Batman number thirty-two, and just uh, because Eric didn't have enough Batman in his life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a double Batman day. It's a double Batman. <laughs> uh, we have our next issue is Batman White Knight number one. Mm-hmm. Script art covers Sean Murphy, colors uh, Matt Hollingsworth, letters Todd Klein. 
Hey, Batman. Hey, hey Batman. Uh, you're bad now. Now Joker is Batman. He's good now. Joker, good. Mm. Batman, bad. And it, this, does this, can it get past? I rolled my eyes when I saw what this book was yes. before I even read it. I went, yes. I went, oh, the Joker is the good guy. And now Batman is bad. And mm-hmm. I, in its own little self contained thing, you know, this is separate from normal continuity. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a one off story. Mm-hmm. I went, I went, oh, but then I saw, oh, Sean Murphy's drawing it and writing it. Mm-hmm. I like him. I I enjoy that man and his uh, his pointy noses. Mm-hmm. I like how he draws Batman. Um, mm-hmm. I like how he draws almost everything in this book. That's true. But I like how he draws almost everything. Almost everything. I like uh, in him. life. Yes. How about the story? All those part of the, the part of it um, where the Joker becomes a good guy because he takes a lot of pills. Okay, so yeah, well, well fuck that part. That's dumb as shit. <laughs> it is obviously. very stupid. That's that is whatever. But that is that is uh, you know t- suspension of disbelief. You mm-hmm. know, you you Magic. you mine beyond that. Um, I I like. I, I I don't know the the. I find this interesting. I really wonder because I feel like it's really teetering over the edge of this could be really, really, really tone deaf and bad, potentially, mm-hmm. or this could actually really say something. I agree with you. You know, there there have been, it is a provable thing that there have been over the past, you know, two to five years, a noticeable uptick in police violence related incidents like that that is that is fact that is provable and the fact that this is in the zeitgeist and batman becomes like you know ostensibly well-meaning protector who's like a loose cannon and we're looking at that and i don't know that this is turned on its head it's actually interesting to me and i i like am enjoying this but like i have like a sick feeling in my stomach <laughs> i i don't know it's, I, uh, it's in a tricky spot it is and w- even without all that you know without all that kind of real world baggage carrying in here like yeah batman like that was this kind of talk around batman existed before you know there was there's been such an you know uproar and I guess awareness of police brutality more than you know actual like it's always yeah been around. I mean, this is clearly this is not the most violent Batman that ever was. No, and it's the the most violent. I mean, like Frank Miller has written yeah Batman that's just like I'm gonna break all of these guys' arms and now I'm gonna break his fingers and now I'm gonna break his legs. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's Cri- gonna wish he's dead. We get we get crippled. Drink through a straw. It mm-hmm. uh it is. It is, but, you know, even in, like, normal superhero comics, you know, generic Batman, it, there's always talk of, well, these people are insane, and he solves their problems by beating them. Mm-hmm. And subverting and, like, going over the cop's head, and, it, you know, and frankly, if you start engaging in the conversation in, in, the, in the comics too hard about how Batman is actually just a rich guy who beats up insane people, it, it breaks the comic. Because it will, it like you can't, you have to suspend that. You have to like go. Oh, no, well, these people are, you know, you have to kind of move past it. And 
this comic just engages with it straight on forward and then also ties in, you know, the real life awareness of, you know, and, and on news topics of police brutality. And there, I, there is stuff to be said, like and stuff that could be important and, and, and good, but I don't think it'll be easy to say it tactfully with nuance. Because mm. and when the problem is, it's not just some random person who is the one, you know, talking about Batman being a criminal and beating up innocents and causing more tr- causing more pain than he solves. It is the Joker who is suddenly cured. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think it's I'm going to we should probably read this book as, you know, in total at some point and see what it does. And I mean, Sean Murphy's art is so always so good that, you know, it's it's beautiful to look at. It's just I'm more worried about it's inc- incredibly difficult to engage with this topic and then do something meaningful with it. And I'm even more dubious when the Joker is involved as a character and especially a good version of the Joker. Good guy Joker. Mm-hmm. So I'm a buy, but yeah, I don't I, I'm hopeful. Hope- I'm I am apprehensive personally maybe it will pull it off mm-hmm. it's possible i i would like it to be good so double buy yeah on batman white knight number one next up is punisher the platoon number one by garth ennis goran parlov is anyone else where's the is there credits in this comic book jordy fucking bel-air there we go garth ennis writer goran parlov artist jordy bel-air colors rob steen letters all i got was the little thing in the uh the third page or something uh so this is punisher max punisher garth ennis's punisher max punisher in vietnam and this is his like this is he, they've already written one vietnam punisher book or frank castle really and now this is before that you know they keep going back because they can't really do any more punisher max stories with this frank castle i mean it's goran parlov mm-hmm. he's great I, I, yeah, I mean, the Goran Parlov Ennis stuff is probably the best of Ennis's career, honestly. And I, I, I like, I don't know. It's, this is kind, I mean, this book is up Ennis's alley. It is like literally mm-hmm. like, here's a war comic with the Punisher in it. And, you know, it's a Vietnam comic. And I, Ennis handles, I think, like a group of men being murderers very well he's good at draw at writing that and parlov is a great artist and they work well together um i don't know it's not like nothing that is gonna i I don't know if this is like gonna fundamentally shift frank castle for me or anything it's just gonna be probably another good ns parlov frank castle story which i'm fine with i think that's true um if I was going to give this any real criticism is there's kind of like no real pop to this story, you know, mm-hmm. nothing feels particularly comic booky or Punisher like, or it should, I, I, it shouldn't be called the, it, like they call it Punisher obviously because that's how it's going to sell, but mm-hmm. it's not, it, it is, it should be called Frank Castle or something like, he, cause he's not the Punisher yet. He's the Punisher yeah. when, his, when his family dies. Like that is when the Punisher yeah. is born. So, but they call it, I mean, it's marketing. So it's not, I don't like, yeah, it's not like this book is so like, I don't know. 
my all my interest in future issues is like, well, this is all good storytelling and beautiful art, and I, I, I have faith in Garth Ennis. Like it's gonna be, I expect it to be. It's a Vietnam story. I assume it's gonna get much worse. Like you know, in human atoll. But I don't know. I th- I I don't know. He's earned. He's you know. He's like you know Warren Ellis in my like. He's earned it. He generally at least when he's writing specific types of books. I can just go, yeah, it, he knows what he's doing. I'll buy it. You know, you just keep, you keep putting them out there. I'll keep buying them. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Double buy. Punisher, the platoon, number one. Next up, slots, number one. Creator, writer, artist, Dan Panosian. Letters, Pat Brousseau. What do you think, Eric? This is some kind of weird ass book. It is. Um, Down on his luck, roguish yeah. boxer guy. Going into Vegas. Kind of looks like Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he's got a got a few of those kind of like early forties action hero mm-hmm. things going on. He's got the Bruce Willis kind of like never look super intimidating, but uh, apparently very mm-hmm. tough. The the, and, the every man, yeah, kind of yeah. Also, kind of a scumbag. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean I like this combination of things and it doesn't hurt that it's a beautiful damn book. You like the style? Mm-hmm. Oh, I just can't hear you. That's what's happening. What's wrong? Well, there's a lot of dead space there. And I heard like half a sentence. Mm, that's not good. Yeah. Is it better now? I think I hear you clearly, yeah. Okay. I know, it feels very it. I don't know. It feels like it it isn't set in the present, but it is. It's a weird like it's a it's a weird thing for me to like try and adjust that. Mm-hmm. Like here's a story about Vegas and boxers and stuff, and then uh, yeah, but it's like it should be set in the seventies or something. And the, but there's cell phones and MMA is a thing, and <laughs> there I don't know. It's it has a certain charm. And they're eating out of a taco truck. What? <laughs> Goddamn millennials. I don't. It has a certain charm to it. I, I don't. I don't think this character is as charming as I think I'm supposed to think he is. I like him. It's good. I mean, he's not bad. What's your problem? I'm. I'm. I'm a critic. I don't know. I have. I. I. I have. Um. I guess I have a a, a, a special place in my heart for lovable scoundrels. I think I. Have a... I. I like. I like this. I okay. like it Quite a lot. Invested in. Invested in it? You want to keep reading? I yeah yeah. I think this is a. I think it's a book to follow. I think it's a good book to read. I mean, m- probably more in like a collected um, edition. It doesn't really read like oh my god, I have to read this every month. But it's uh, it's cool. Yeah, I think I mean, despite my misgivings, I think it is written well and it looks beautiful. I I just I'm more interested in all the like all the other characters in the periphery. Versus, mm-hmm. you know, the main character. That's the that's the thing about. I mean, maybe they'll Ned Stark him. <laughs> Is that the official verb now? I think so. Okay, just he get got Starked. Got Starked. Well, that's well. There's a lot of Starks though. Some of them are still alive. <sighs> Frankensteinly, I can't get enough Game of Thrones references. I really appreciate <laughs> you working that in there. 
Uh, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> okay. Double buy slots number one. Our last book is Eugenic number one, written by James Tinian the fourth, illustrated Eric Donovan, colors D. Kneef, letters Jim Campbell. It's part of, you remember Mimetic? Yeah, I do remember his weird-ass mimetic book. And this is another one in uh, Apocalypse Trilogy, he is calling it. And this is... This is the second of the trilogy. I believe it's the second, unless I miss one in between somewhere. But I don't think uh, I did. Sure. But this is about uh, viruses and... Mutations. Mutations and genetics and that stuff. Yeah. And... This is the book that I meant to say was extremely weird. Oh, before. okay. Now, Slots is, is pretty straight-laced. This is a fucking weird book. This is a very... It's a strange, weird book. It does... It's even... Like, Mimetic was weird, but it was kind of straightforward in its weirdness. This mm-hmm. is, like... This This is only first... I think this is only three issues, I want to say. Three-issue miniseries, just like Mimetic was. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's one of three. But this is, like big twist of the narrator mm-hmm. is suddenly oh no actually i'm a i'm a monster i guess monster with hmm, thinks he's doing the right thing i guess he's still crazy but i mean i think that's the point of all this but I, i'm actually like i thought i was kind of like at the end of this i was like okay you know i felt kind of like oh, it's all right but then i saw that the second issue is 200 years after this oh god what and then i'm like all right that's interesting 200 year jump in the future after what our, our our kind of relatively modern disaster uh which i don't think enough books do usually it's like post-apocalypse i'm i like post post-apocalypse i think that's neat the recovery and i i i think just that one thing made me more excited about this this these, this little mini series because i don't I think th- I think it's smart too because I think this one issue kind of does everything you can do mm-hmm. at that time. You know, it's like, oh, it's horrible, and it saved humanity, but this guy's crazy, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But to really do something with it, I think it will take. You know, it takes a huge time leap, and that's what they're doing. Um, you said it's a, it's a weird ass book, Eric. Do you like this weird ass book? So it, it, I, uh, I do enjoy it but like it does leave me scratching my head it's a lot of really odd decisions you know like if all these characters are just gone and dead why are we starting here i I mean this is interesting and it's compelling and tinian is a good storyteller i mean this is like about as long as one and a half regular length comics and I think it tells an awful lot of compelling story in those pages. Maybe it's almost a double length. Yeah, it has a lot of it has back matter too, so that yeah. adds to it. I think I I don't know. I feel like some of it it has a lot of dialogue in it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, whenever I see a comic that has just like a lots and lots and lots and lots of talking in it. I start to like, is this necessary for it? Like, is it need this much? And is it perfect for a comic book? You know, because comic books are not necessarily great at, you know, full, a lot of dialogue and people sitting in, you know, labs. That's not necessarily like the most exciting thing. I don't know. You asked if it's necessary. I don't know. You know, it may like, yeah. it may like this. I don't know. I don't think you, there's a lot of information here. I don't think you could just text dump it at like in, a, in one page or something. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that just sort of in general, you start the story sort of in media's res and you, you, you can tell this story without 
introducing a bunch of characters that just I don't know in a in a frame or in a prologue like just to never see them again. It's odd. It is odd. I it's an this is another book where I think unless you, until you read all of it, I don't think it's gonna mean like it's not it's kind of impossible to kind of decipher the important bits because I could you know this if we. You read the entire miniseries and you go, oh, wait, okay, so that bit he said in the beginning, it, you know, it could have been, it could be setting up themes, it could be setting up motifs that are still present, you know, 200 years, and then an, I, the third issue might be another 200 years, who knows? Um, I, I'm, I like it, I'm a buy, I don't, like, I don't, there, it, it's, I think it's the thing I'm just gonna buy it if I, you know, I, that's what I did, I bought Memetic after they were all out, and I'll probably just do that with this one too. Yeah, I think it's fair. And I mean, this is the weirdest thing I've read in a while, and I do like it. I mean, Tenyon is good; he's talented. So I, I mean, sure. I think I and I think the art style works. I think the weird design of those monsters is good—the little babies with their upside mm. down heads. I think you know I'm a sucker for body horror, so it's an easy sell for me. Mm. It's like little thing babies, which you know I'm I'm down with that. Nice. <laughs> I'm a buy. Okay, cool. Are you a buyer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Frankensteinly, I am. <laughs> Jesus. Double buy eugenic number one. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show. Eric and I talk about what we've been up to in the past week or so. What we've done, seen, played, done, whatever news we want to talk about, whatever we want to say. Eric, how's it going? I keep getting just a little bit sick. That's not I good. recommend it. I, no, yeah. it's not great. You have been drawing rappers, though. I have been drawing rappers. The beat, the beat goes on. Some, some. It's been Wu Tang week. It has been hashtag Wu Tang week. Oh, I did I not say the hashtag? I apologize. It is important whenever you're talking about hashtag Sochmead. Hashtag Inktober 2017. How's Inktober been going? Uh, pretty good. I mean, I've gotten pretty good at this. I did three of them today. I Jeez. did, um, probably saw Inspect a Deck and, um, ODB today. Mm-hmm. The ODB came out weird. It was a weird reference that just made me laugh. And I don't know. It does really capture his crazy impishness. I was going to say, ODB was a strange man. Yeah, I I could draw pictures of ODB. I could draw a lot of them. Because that motherfucker made some weird-ass faces. And beyond that, he had a weird-ass fucking face. The pictures of him where he was older, like, I, I, he, I, I, I don't know what, was it heart disease that killed him? I don't I, even know. I don't remember. I thought it was, I don't, actually, I, we can, you know what Will tell us? Uh, Frankensteinly, I think it's the internet. <sighs> You shouldn't have. I is my fault. Shouldn't have encouraged me. Yeah, it's it's my it really is my fault. I'm just trolling you at this point. Why did you? I, I, I hung out with Yusuf twice, so I got that's that's where I I got this. I I, I it, caught it, the troll it, bug. It was a drug overdose. That's surprising. Accidental drug overdose. Intentional drug overdose. Well, no, but. I'm pretty sure he didn't accidentally take drugs. I'm pretty I mean, sure I don't, I don't, to. he didn't, he took drugs. He did not in, intend to overdose. Yeah, I don't know. I'm being insensitive. I also knocked out, uh, 
ice cube today. It looks really good, but I'm not posting it till tomorrow because, yeah. Well, by the time people hear this, it'll be up. Hey, that's true. Go look at it. Go check out some ice cube. Crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. I don't know, man. I don't do other things. <laughs> Nothing? I had uh, I had dinner. Ooh. And went to work. Whoa. Yeah. Man, sl- slow down. I don't know. Played a video game that I bought last week a little bit. <laughs> Which one? Cuphead? Yeah. Get any further? Yeah. Yeah. I beat the Candy Woman today. Candy Woman? Yeah, the Candy Woman. I'm trying to think of that one. Miss Baroness Bonbon or something. I don't think I fought her. She's yet. got a she's got a castle, and these little candy soldiers come out of it. There's right. a whole bunch of different ones. Have not. I don't think I fought the. I don't fought. I don't think I fought her yet. Did you fought the genie? We, only the guys that we we got through level, world one. That's it. Okay. I got to world two. I'm 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 waiting for my wife to return for us to play more. You don't want to cheat on her. You know, I think it, it it's a better experience for both of us so that we can scream curse words together <laughs> when we're playing that game. I wonder if you would if you would do better by yourself. When I got to that pond, I only died 81 times. I don't know. I mean, I'm not like I mean, it really is just part of the experience that it's supposed to be hard. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it is that kind of game. You know, mm-hmm. it's I don't that's it's not an accident that it's that difficult. You know, they did it on purpose. I think it's partial. I think it's just they want people to really see all yeah. the, all the animation. And if people have to play through a level a few times and really study the patterns and all the things coming out of these bosses, you know, they get to see all that stuff. You know, you really get to experience it. You know, if it was super easy, you'd play the levels one or two times and then you're done. You know, you play level 10 times, you get to see all that stuff and you get to get a little bit more of an appreciation for it while you yell at it. Okay. I have, we, do you want to do uh positive or negative first, Eric? Is this, is this good and bad news? Is this what's happening? I mean, it, not really. Is this like what? Is me? this like what terminal of the battery you're going to hook up? Yeah, to me you want you want first? happy Robbie or angry Robbie? I love both of them so much. We'll choose one. Can, yeah, I, you, can you, I give Can I give both of them a hug? You get one and then the other, so you do get. Well, I'm, I'm, I, 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 here's the thing. I'm going to get both of them. So, <laughs> okay. Go ahead and let's start let's, with the, let's, let's start with it. The angry, and then we segue into happy. We'll 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 end on a positive note. Yeah. I like it. Yes, exactly. That's an open face shit sandwich. They're a fucking psychopath. <laughs> so, New York Comic Con was this weekend. Correct. Correct. Marvel, uh, you know, has tons of announcements, and they canceled their Punisher panel, the Netflix Punisher panel. They were going to show, I guess, some extra footage from the Netflix show, but because of the recent shooting in Vegas, they can't, they pulled that, which, uh-huh. okay, uh, that's fine with me. I think that Punisher series looks like Punisher is fighting cops. And military guys, so I don't, uh-huh. it's not like he's firing on whatever. But then, I believe it was Friday, they announced a panel where they would be talking about a comic book partnership with a company, uh, Northrop Grumman, who are private military contractors. Hmm. They build drones and help kill people. They were, are, and often, and are, I don't know if this was, you know, Rumor to be war profiteers. Um, I don't know if there's any of that is proven in the court of law, but regardless, they build drones to kill people. That is, like, like explicitly, they make a, a lot of money 
on drone warfare. And Marvel was teasing an announcement of an all-ages comic with these people being superheroes with the Avengers. And uh, people got upset, me included, because that's pretty despicable. Uh, They, I mean, and Marvel does partnerships with companies all the time and does comics for them. But generally, it's like the NBA or like Dairy Queen or whatever, you know, they're and they're all bad. I do want to read the Dairy Queen comic. <laughs> it's it's you know, it's but they're bad comics, but they're meaningless. It's just like, you know, bland corporate whatever. But this is explicitly for children and explicit it, it and multiple people online. It reads like a recruitment propaganda for children mm-hmm. and uh, Marvel, thankfully said, oh, they canceled the panel, and then said, we're not, we're canceling the partnership. Which, thank God, because there was a hot minute there where, like, oh, I guess I'm not reading Marvel Comics anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I mean, I, they can make, you know, comics that make Iron Man bad or whatever, and I'll, I'll be okay. But when they start partnering with mercenaries, I gotta draw a line somewhere. Mm-hmm. I could spend that $15 a, a week somewhere. To, I mean... I mean, you never know. Maybe they'll turn around and they're gonna they're gonna partner with Daily Stormer. Who knows what's gonna happen? Well, that's I mean, and I mean, I uh, G Willow Wilson uh, posted a, a as always posted a very intelligent uh, blog post where she's like, "I'm glad that they canceled it because I would have quit." She she said, "I would I stayed up till two thirty in the morning figuring out a way so that I could finish my." current obligations with other creative teams and then i would have quit and then i luckily she didn't have to because they canceled the partnership but i it's it is again inexplicable why they thought this was okay like did you they think no one would care about the partnership with the military Mm. not even the the armed forces but private military yes which is like the ones that aren't accountable to anybody. Yes, exactly. Who can do anything? The, yeah, the 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 paid pirates. I was along with many other people, which is why they immediately went, "Oh, this is some." And I I don't think this is not anyone on the normal creative side of Marvel. You know, this is not any. No, this is not Joe Casada or or anybody in the on the publishing side. This is all you know the other side like the business strict business side of marvel going yeah here let's make let's do this thing because they'll pay us money and we let's and like marvel's trying to play it like oh we're just trying to in we just want to uh it's just like trying to help people help kids enter stem fields no don't no don't that's not no that unstoppable wasp was about kids entering stem fields mm-hmm. your partnership with the mercenaries is not about, hey, make sure you study science. To be fair, though, like, the idea of building robots with guns does, like, sound super awesome to me. You know, like, in a way that, like, I'm kind of ashamed with myself that I think that. Like, I don't know. There was... It's like RoboCop, man. That, I mean, there was Except, literal... Like, little there, and it flies. Well, there was literal jokes on Twitter about, oh, look, Marvel is now just... They're in the RoboCop future, where we just... Yeah. I mean, obviously, yes. I mean, it, and there was a... a, a another... Um, There's an antidote floating around about... I saw about Dwayne McDuffie, where he had a master's degree in physics, but then 
quit because he realized he was helping make missiles with his research. So he stopped and made comics and television. Okay. But I, you know, I, it's just every day I go, what could Marvel do worse? And this is many steps further than uh, making a bad Iron Man comic or whatever. Um, okay. Happy Robbie. Exercise the anger. Mm-hmm. I saw Blade Runner 2049. Yep. It was very good. I have heard good things about it. It was, I watched the original, uh, before the final cut, uh, which is still a very good movie. I appreciate it much more now than I did prior because it is slow, but I have more patience for the rest of the things in it. So I don't care that's a little slow. Blade Runner 2049. Also, it's nearly three hours long. So it, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's paced a little bit faster than the original, but it's still, you know, long sweeping shots of lots of different things, but it's a gorgeous movie. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, the acting is good. I never would have expected for me to go, you know, Batista, the wrestler, he's an amazing mm-hmm. character actor and he's, a, he's really good. And he, he is a, a, a he has a, a small part in it. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Harrison Ford, uh, even Jared Jared Leto is not terrible. He does his, he plays his part well, which sometimes I I don't. He it helps that he plays like a complete creep. So I might you know the general preconception about of of him plays into that I guess. But the writing is really good. The it looks you know the design in like it looks like it, like it comes from that same legacy of the original Blade Runner, but they advanced a lot of stuff in it. The themes and and symbols and ideas present in that original move forward in a certain way, and you can clearly see them going, well, let's take that and move it forward. Where would it go? Uh, and in lots of different directions, and it's really interesting. Uh, they And it's very smart about knowing we are basically, we are a sequel to that, to that movie, we can't do, we can't have the same tricks and expect them to mean something. It's, and it's very smart that way. It's shot gorgeously. It's a very good science fiction film. I don't, like, it can't be the same thing that the original was because the original was kind of worshipped by a lot of creative people that went on to make a lot of very important things because they were so influenced by how that film looked. So, and I don't think anything can do that anymore for the most part, because we're so saturated, but it's really good. I kind of want to go see it again. I haven't seen a movie since Wonder Woman. You should see it. Yeah, I should. It's really, it's really powerful. I, I've heard universally good things from the nerd brigade. Yeah, I was, and I had low, I mean, I kind of wanted, I kept my expectations low because it's a Blade Runner sequel, but it's, I, I was, I guess I was I was surprised. Even after all that buzz, I was like, "Wow, this is really good." And I heard it did poorly at the box office, which I I get, the theater I saw was pretty packed, so I don't know. Maybe I was just I was also in the VIP no kids allowed theater, so that might be it. All the uh, all the aged people who didn't want teenagers in there. Also, it's rated R. It's probably going to it's not Deadpool. It's not going to make 150 million. I definitely I suggest it. Cool. Cool. You want to hear some very interesting news I just read? What is that? Are you familiar with a comic book artist named Gabriel Hardman? No. I mean, I maybe. I wasn't either. He's very talented. Um, 
Mr. Trungles was just talking about him. And apparently at New York City Comic Con, he went outside the convention and there was a woman on the street selling prints of his work. Um, and he tried to stop her and confronted her about it. And it escalated to strangers, like all like sort of descending on and starting like a big shouting match and, and like a fight in front of a cop. So he left and uh, apparently some people are rattled about this. <sighs> I don't know. Isn't that, isn't that lovely? I, it, it's kind of, it's, it's gross. It's very, it's, yeah. it's really, especially like that, just like, hey, yeah, I'm going to do it in front of this, of the con where the person mm-hmm. is. Like, just completely, like, I don't, right in front of your face. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to steal from you and then try and sell it as my own. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. I remembered something else too, so we don't have to end on a negative note. <laughs> okay. Double. I'm going to MondoCon. Oh yeah, I saw you talking about that. You're going? Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm going. When is that? It's like the first weekend of November or something. So this is this is my because uh, in the future I've already completed Inktober. Right. Teacher Eric has done his job. Mm-hmm. Gotten the work done. Mm-hmm. Right. You're gonna. I don't. I I like Mondo a lot. I am a big fan as well, but it is in Austin, Texas, which I have never been to. It's a cool city. I'm looking forward to checking it out. You'll I like have it. Uh, a lot of art bros in uh, in Texas near Austin, if not in Austin. And um, yeah, they're talking about heading up, hitting it up with me. It should be uh, pretty cool. You gonna drown a barbecue? Oh, I'm gonna eat some fucking yeah. We're gonna we're gonna brisket some shit up at there. I'm uh, pretty pumped about it. It's a cool city. You'll like it. I yeah. I, I spent I spent some time there. It's it's uh like Portland of the South. That's how I would describe it. But there's barbecue. Well, if they don't have if they don't have barbecue in Portland, I think they should shut the city down. I I don't know. I didn't spend enough time in in Portland to get a good sense on their barbecue, thir- like how how saturated their barbecue level is. You ready to talk about monsters, Eric? Let's uh, let's monster it up. Good. We can move on to our final segment. It is time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is the part show. Eric and I will assign a longer collective work and discuss it in depth like you would a book club this week. We are reading My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris. Uh, this is volume one, book one. There will be a book two coming out. Uh, she's I either finished it or is finishing it, which is a similar length from what I have heard. Fairly long little book. Yeah. How big is your bound edition? Uh, pretty big. It's not wire bound, I assume. No, no, it, it is not. But It, it has is. wire bindings printed on the thing. Yes. It's a strange thing. It is. This is a, this book is something. I really, really enjoy it. No, I, I made the mistake of reading it late at night when I was feeling sad. And yeah. it made me sad. <laughs> Worse, more sad yeah. than it already was. That is, um, this is a, it is a sad little book that somehow slips into a Holocaust story. Yeah, it's. And a story about, like, your mom dying? It's a lot, it's, it's a lot of, like, there's a lot of nested narratives in here. Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of things, it, it, I don't know, it's a pretty remarkable book. I'm definitely going to get myself a copy because it's 
wonderful. We did say Fantagraphics, right? It's Fantagraphics? It is Fantagraphics, yes. I mean, who the fuck else is going to publish well, this weird-ass thing? There's... I was looking into it, and there's a... This, okay, so Emil Ferris, this is her first comic book. Mm-hmm. She's 55. She worked on this when she was paralyzed by the West Nile virus. What the fuck? She, her, she literally taught herself to draw again by doing this book. What the fuck? She duct taped pen to her hand so that she could draw. Just like Chuck Close. And, and this was book was done like a year before it came out. And then it's printer. It was printed in Korea, South Korea. And it got, I guess there was, uh, the, the, the company who was handling the shipping owed, was in debt. And so they, people, took the ships and held the contents ransom until they paid their debt so she couldn't get to like they couldn't ship her book <laughs> they had to push the release back because and fanographics eventually yes put it out but there's hundreds, like thousands of copies were just stuck on a ship crazy what an insane thing to yes. happen uh it's i like it's hard to i don't know where to start with this thing like you said there's all it's it is yeah okay so uh, we like it is a story of I I think she's eleven right Karen is eleven I think ten or eleven she's yeah and this is her notebook basically we are reading yes her it, it, it reads kind of right it reads kind of a little bit like I mean it definitely sort of plays with that to where some there sometimes we feel like we're really reading a narrative and a story about her and a lot of sometimes it feels very directly like a diary. Yes. And and that is really I don't know, it's a really neat thing. Yes, it is I can't think of anything like it. Mhm. And it it was it's like cuz it start like she is it's like 1968 uh she lives in Chicago and there's that you know her dealing with her her brother and her mom. Her mom is sick. Uh, we don't. You don't find that out till like halfway through the book. Her brother is an artist, uh, and it is gets into trouble. And then she is obsessed with monsters. There's a murder in her building, and then like there's a murder mystery that's in this. And then spinning out of that is the a Holocaust narrative of the murder victim. And oh my God, and it, 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 it just. The layers of storytelling in this is kind of like is kind of intimidating on, mm-hmm. in a way because it I never real I like I think I got confused a couple times but for the most it's, part it's very clear yeah. and, and and it 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 is given the complexity and all the things that it's doing it is surprisingly clear I think yeah like it's and it like there's even, and there's also a lot of like. I don't know. It's it's hard to. I, I frankly, I feel like I should read it again because I don't think mm-hmm. I got everything out of it. Uh, I think it would really stand up to a lot of different readings. It's it's pretty rich and layered, honestly. Like it, it, it it's definitely written by uh, like all the the background and art is. Uh, I don't know. It it it, it warms my heart. So. Uh, uh, a, a very intellectual person that's written this book. It, it's, I don't know. It, it, I just adore it. What do you think about the, the, how, like the style of it, of it, the fact that it is just 
pen and marker. Yeah, it seems almost entirely like ballpoint pen. Yeah. Yeah. But, like different colored ballpoint pens and she I said I, think I she am said, really I'm trying huh? to find the specific kind of she there's some marker in there, I'm trying to find the specific kind. It's in an interview somewhere. It looks like cheap art supplies. Yeah. And the the richness that she's able to get out of those. I mean, the artwork is really beautiful. Like, I like it a lot. I would read this book just for the artwork. I would just, I would read this. She has a huge, just a tremendous appreciation for art and art history. And, like, I, it's just fantastic. There is a big pen and flare markers. Yeah. It, How do you spell flare markers? Like Ric Flair player markers i've never heard of them i don't i, I they look cheap as hell I, yeah that's exactly what i was thinking it's like a little felt tip piece of shit pen so it's like what's a what is a a, a box of 12 is seven dollars yeah paper mate flare markers and that like those are the cheapest mm-hmm. of tools and there is just incredible depth in all the art and it and it and it's not even it, it's like like you said like there is this appreciation for art in our history and her art in the book itself varies wildly from mm-hmm. w- w- whenever it enters into like they go through museums with her brother and her friends multiple times and they are used as conceits to tell some of the story and the art will her art will shift to imitate a certain artist and then swing back. And oftentimes, it, like certain panels are really almost primitive, and then and then and then it, you'll swing back wildly to be comp- like it, it ridiculously comp- complex and and like th- thousands and thousands of marks on one page with a big pen. It, it's I don't know it it it's wholly unique. I can't think of anything like it's crazy. Yeah, the thing that I think is the most like it or at least the only thing i can think of i mean maybe story-wise it's a little bit like persepolis you know i can see that it is a story of a, a larger world through the lens of someone in their life but like the the art and the handling and the sort of dreaminess of it it makes me think of feral dalrymple I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his his you know, his his art often looks like crayon drawings at times to me, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's yeah, it's got that kind of grubbiness to it, you know, when he's doing like a lot of pencil work with uh watercolor and it gets it gets that kind of dirty look to it that this has. Um I think honestly I would put this artwork on Dalrymple's level. I mean, I you I I've said things about Feral Dalrymple's like storytelling and how fucking weird he is but he is a superlative artist for sure and I adore the way this wow, that's such a strange page there's a lot of strange pages in this there's it, so many strange it's, jarring pages yeah. this guy with like the, the, the scars and his face is like he's got like a little bit of an arse face going on yeah I, I, like, I assume that's a World War One veteran that Could was be. that was my that that's my read on it. It was you know that was taking it. They are she's in what where 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 was she? Was she in Germany? No, she was in 
Just yeah, it was Anka. Anka, yeah, was where it was Germany? She was in Germany. I forget exactly God, where she was. Anka's fucking story. Holy shit! It's <laughs> holy god. <laughs> that's and that's the thing. Like literally, I finished her that the first big chunk of her story, which is most of yeah. it, and then I had to stop because I I was like I need to I need to breathe for a bit mm-hmm. because it is it's just fucking brutal. Oh yeah, and this she's bo- a fucking child prostitute, and then then subjected to the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and then and now and you know it is con- like you know her story. The all like there's a lot of threads in here that will be picked up in the in the second book of this, but even just that part is just it's just it unflinchingly shows you like everything that is happening. You know, it is not hold back, and that's like it's really interesting because. It is all told through that lens of Karen. You know, she's a little girl and she's just mm-hmm. copying this information down from the tapes. And it's her drawing this, rend- these renditions of this horror that she's listening to. And it, like, it, that's, and like those nested narratives are the, like, the layers of, of, of narration there are the things that I think I'm going to have to come back and look at again because she is mm. choosing what to draw. You know, that is all her choice. Like, it is the character's art choices we're looking at. And, you know, Anka is narrating about, oh, she she lives in a brothel. And she, you know, she's she has this garden in the back that is like this little tiny place of solace. And we're, we're like, we're seeing all this through that lens. And it just, it's layer after layer of trying to interpret, interpret, interpret. Karen's reactions to this horror that she's being she's listening to and like on top of that her trying to decipher this mystery about who killed Anka in the present day or present day to her and it it's just it's at the it's like so incredibly dense because you're like we were talking about Claremont and his density but that's just because there's a lot of information presented on the page and this is like a different it's it's it is also extraordinarily dense at times, but it's mm-hmm. a completely different game that we're kind of playing as we read this. And uh, I I don't know I. You know, there's I, a lot of information and character being communicated. Yes, it, you know, and there's a lot of scenes. It's about what was it? Four hundred pages. It's about four hundred pages long. Yeah, so it's a sizable book. Yes, you know, I would say that like. It, it, there's a lot of things that are just like weird and rambly and it's just like thoughts on the character, the situation, or like, let me describe what this person's feeling or how I feel about them. Or I don't know. It's, I don't think all of it is essential, but it all paints like, like a lot. I don't know that it, it paints a very full picture and something that you could probably pick up a, t- a ton of times and get something out of it different uh, almost every time. I really love this. Uh, she draws him like Frankenstein. It's oh, such yeah. a weird thing. I love all the kids that she draws yeah. as monsters. Yeah. Um. Oh, I was going to ask you that, what you thought. Um. The little girl, the, what's her name? Um. The hungry girl, the skinny girl. Mm. Sally. I want to say what Sally is right, but I can't remember for sure. Is she is she real? I think so. 
real because the the Frankenstein kid. There are multiple scenes where Karen says something, kind of talking mm-hmm. to Sally, and he questions her. He's like, "What?" And it's and you know he's like scary. He's like, "Yeah, I was talking to you know that I didn't say that. Sally said that." And whenever she sees Sally, whenever she goes to Sally's house, she's not home. They, oh, I see it now. They go into the building, and no one is. Sandy's it, the one who thinks it's scary. Oh yeah, Sandy. Sand, Sandy. They yeah, go. To, they go I, to. Her. I I completely missed that. Like, they go to Sandy's apartment for the party. No one's in it. It's empty. hmm You know, she... It's... I don't know. Like, there's nothing... Like, there's... It's never explicit. But it feels very much like Sandy is an imaginary friend. Yeah. Trying to replace uh, her... That other girl that uh, is the vampire girl who went to become... Who went and joined the popular crowd. But I don't know. That's just like, and the, and it's like, that's what I mean. It's like, it's not incredibly, like, it never goes out of its way to tell you, oh, yeah, this is, this girl's not real. But I, that's what I thought. Cause it's like three times. Oh, uh, the, trying to find it. When the man on the train yells at Franklin. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's such a weird thing. Cause, where is it? Cause she says, like, and that's the thing that really stood, that, like, immediately it was like, she's like, uh, because she says to Karen, yeah, but you couldn't because you're too ashamed of what you are. And that is not a thing a little girl says. Mm-hmm. Where's it, that? That is, I don't have a page. I don't have page numbers. <laughs> it is after, you, it is, uh. Oh, yeah, you're in a, I was going to say you hit browse pages and it tells you. Nah, yeah, I'm, it's the, it's, uh, right after a big cover of a big haunted, it says the haunted town, terror tales, April 68, 45 cents, big haunted house. Uh, fake the fake basically fake EC cover EC comics cover kind of thing. What section is it after? Uh, it's like seventy five percent of the way through the book, right after they uh they're on the train. On the train. Yeah, right. It's before. during the train scene. Yeah, it's r- during the train scene, like the first page of the train scene, or the second page, right after they get on the train, and uh, Karen is sitting with Sandy, and Sandy's. It's like literally says out loud, you're too ashamed of what you are. And then mm-hmm. like that feels way too on the nose for a little girl to say, especially Sandy is like the most spaciest of kids for yeah. the rest of the book who only wants candy. And like she's going to take her home to her mom, but that never they never get to the point where Sandy's in the same place as any of it else. You know, it's always them two alone unless Franklin's there and Franklin, whenever he's there, he's always like Sandy. Yeah. No, that's an interesting observation. That completely escaped me. There's no way you're not right about that. But I, I'm really curious if that comes back. There's a, and they're like, because they're and they're like that's a there's, it, it is very much like you say it's dreamy. It's very much like Karen the entire time does not look like a little girl. Mm-hmm. Like she looks like a monster. And all her friends, like the like all her like Franklin draws like he draws him like draws him like Frankenstein. Frankenstein. The girl she's in love with is a is, vamp- a, is a vamp- is a Dracula. Yeah, is a Dracula, a country Dracula, if you will. Yeah, and like that, like we see her real face one time mm-hmm. when her brother like is literally trying to break down through her walls because he reads he reads this book. And, like, that's a thing. Like, he reacts to the thing we're reading. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I, I love all the monster stuff. It's so good. 
this this little girl who just wants to be a monster because the monster's life is free in a certain way. <laughs> Do you th okay, I I'm I don't know if I necessarily think I don't I think this the book basically transcends this question for the most part, but I think I still think it's cogent. Do you think that do you ever think that Karen is too smart like in the writing of this? Too smart to be a child? Yeah. Don't understand what you mean by yeah, too like smart. Yeah, like smarter than an 11-year-old. I mean, I think that you could make that argument in in some places. I question why you asked that. I I ask it I think like I said I think it is I think it doesn't doesn't hurt the book necessarily that no. she is incredibly uh, she, it, it's like mostly it's like a lot of I, I think my I, a couple spots I went that is a really smart thing for an 11 year old to realize and it, and it's more like emotional intelligence at times where she like she is and maybe that's just this that that's who she is as a character is that she's incredibly uh you know emotionally and she's incredibly empathetic you know she seems to know a lot about how when people feel a certain way it is exactly like i don't think i as a ch child ever realized the you know the, the depth of how you know if someone feels this certain way this is what that means in this situation and maybe it's just because she grows up in this apartment building with all these different personalities around her all the time. She has developed that emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. It's just a couple times it, I question myself. I'm like, you know, if, if her, the voice is truly one of a child, I don't think it's a minor point, but it, it did come up in my mind. I think it's just, I think it came up in mind because it is a complication of this book. It's very much like she's telling us this story. And so, you know, you have well, to. It, you're correct in that it doesn't feel like a story from a child's point of view. I mean, this feels like a story about a child from an adult's point of view. Yeah, like it's just as a conceit of this is her journal we're reading. You mm -hmm. kind of have to buy in, you know. Yes, this is this girl's journal. We are going on this journey. And I never really bought it as this is the literal journal and this is how she would draw it. Okay. I never bought it as that. It's just that it is in a journalist style, you know, it is, is it in the, in the style of something that would be a journal? I never, well, I mean, it, it's her perspective. The, her, her, the, yeah. I just sort of see that this is, th this feels like this is about a fictional character that has, like it feels incredibly honest and it feels like a lot of like author appeal in the same way that she's basically writing about a fictional version of herself. I don't know how much of this is is like based on any sort of truth or reality, but I mean the things that she's interested in in terms of like, you know, the these monster movies and like the fact that she was in her 50s you know, the fact that she is about the age this girl would be, I mean, none of that feels like an accident. Like, I, I always was like, this is a thing to mirror that told by an adult. It, it's never supposed to be like a child's drawing. 
Does that make sense? Well, I mean, that's, I think that's the, that's the crux. That's the, that's, mm-hmm. that's where, I, like, that's what I, I feel like it is trying. I don't know, like, I don't, it never, the book itself never explicitly says one way or another. Mm-hmm. It just is. And it, obviously there are, there's a lot of things, there are things that are like, are telling a story. And then there's other things, like you said, are diary entries, basically, of like, this is what happened at school today. Mm-hmm. And this is what happened, and I'm here. I am drawing it, and I, I don't. I, I don't know if it's fruitful to look too deep into that. It's more of I. I don't. I think I. The fact that I thought about it twice or three times or whatever when I was reading it, I'm like, it made me. It broke immersion, and I f- wish I hadn't thought about it at all because I was. You know, I'm on the ride. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to. I want to go with it. It's just I don't. I don't know if it's any better. If it's like clear of like no, this is literally this the diary journal of eleven year old girl, or this is the reconstruction of that thing, or it is taking it is a person much later in life using the same hurt that source material and putting it into it, like whatever. I just I don't know. I I I think it is the question is only raised because of that this format i guess is so novel you know like if you look at the history of storytelling we've kind of have established very clear like here's here is you know you have frame stories you have uh, epistolary stories you have Uh first person and third person you have all these you know very kind of concrete yeah ways of here is this story here's you know sometimes it is strictly like you're reading some guy's story he's writing directly to you and then other and like this i don't it doesn't really have any other context around it i and it's another i don't it's another thing that just adds to my fascination because and to the depth of it because there's another like there's a, 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 a another layer of perspective added into this and i she email ferris she admits that this is very autobiographical at times, mm-hmm. especially the monster stuff. She is mm-hmm. very, she's like, yeah, I always wanted to be a monster. I love monsters. Then I still love them. Now her interviews. She talks about the hammer movies, but her parents were artists. You know, they were not, yeah. they, you know, she didn't all, a lot of this stuff is, I'm sure it's a, it is a mixture of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I feel like we talk about this for another hour. I don't know. This very simple fact that all the children, the the so-called innocents, are all, you know, all her friends are drawn as monsters. And then mm-hmm. very literally we see people who are murderers and, and, and Nazis. And they are all as human as possible. What do you think about her brother? I don't know. I find him very interesting. I don't know if I'm supposed to think he's a bad guy or anything. He just seems like a, I don't know. I, I think just he, a dumb man slut. He's yeah. I, th- I, well, I mean, I don't, I, I, I think he is, I, I mean, all the characters in this, well, not all of them, but a lot of them, at least the important ones. I don't think any of them are necessarily like, they are all very nuanced and mm-hmm. uh, I don't, you know, I like Karen. I like the kids. I don't, yeah. I think, Dees is interesting. I don't necessarily like him. I think he makes a lot of bad decisions, but he is in a complicated situation. And I 
think it, the narrative really demonstrates that. And nothing is simple. You know, it everything, there's just, like I said, there's layers to every one, to all the characters. They have little, even like the characters that we don't see very often, there's a little bit of nuance here and there. Like we get like that scene with the guy who stares at the apartment building <laughs> and there's like, it's a very small scene and he is not important really. But even then you see him, you know, he's being paid by a mobster to watch the guy's wife mm-hmm. and report back. And she's like, please don't. I need, we need, I need my brother. You know about my mom. He's like, yeah, I know about your mom. And it's just that little bit of like, just that little bit of nuance to him where he's like, you know, under contract and he's been doing it for years to this dangerous mob guy. And he, you know, there's that like, well, I might, you know, maybe I don't tell him because yes, I know about your mom. God, her little private detective outfit. (laughs) The detail where they said that he, um, he, he safety pinned it so she wouldn't step on it. Yeah. She was a cornball. That's definitely some stupid shit I would have done as a kid. She doesn't really seem to cite a lot of, um, I mean, obviously there's a reference to the EC comics, but I don't, like, a, I see, like, underground comics influence in this, you know? Yeah. The cartooning, and I see, um, at times it feels a little crumb-like. Um, it, it makes me think of Drew Friedman a lot, too. A lot of the setting feels like it's in a, like, kind of a cross between a John Waters film and a, um, almost like a setting that Klaus would use. Uh, you know, in interviews, let's see, she cites R. Crumb, Alison Bechdel, and Art Spiegelman. That's neat. I mean, uh, yeah. But, I mean, like, she is kind of an outsider artist, you know, in, mm-hmm. like, she is not, she does not come up through traditional comics. And I don't, yeah. like, and I think you can kind of see that, you know, this is not, this is kind of free of a lot mm. of the preconceptions you would come in if you were making it a, like, it's like Chris Ware kind of, where it's just like, there's no, there's panels sometimes, but other times it's just, here's a, like weird juxtapositions of scenes and dialogue that not, like, I was actually very impressed by the choice of like where to put the dialogue and, and narration. Cause I, and I think it's kind of like the most, like, there's in I was very engaged with the story, but I was also very engaged with the construction of this and thinking very like I was thinking multiple times. I'm like, well, you know how she leads your eye around the page and and in whenever there is dialogue that is not necessarily linear on a page like, hey, read A to B to C to D. It is it's always independent of each other. You know, there's a one, a dialogue tree running down one side, a dialogue tree running down the other side, but you read them separately and they don't necessarily need to be read in any specific order. You know, it's a, a lot of little tiny decisions that keep, even though this, the, the, the layout is oftentimes ephemeral and kind of hard to follow on purpose, you can, it's n- never impossible to piece together and, and usually the dialogue layout is actually when it is wanting to you to lead th- read things in a linear fashion. It does a very good job of leading your eye around. I I don't know. I don't read this when you're sad though. At least not late at night. 
Because it's spooky. Yeah, well, it bummed me out is what it did. But it, it, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. It, it, like, in, in multiple ways, you know? There's, it, it, from, uh, from the micro to the macro level, there's a lot of tragedy in this. You know, it, it's little Karen's trouble, like her difficulty with her, her, her little vampire girlfriend. Her, to her mother getting sick, to Anka's horrific story, to Anka's poor husband. Like, it's just f full of really tragic figures. Do you think Franklin is coded as gay? I mean... I think he is, right? Yeah. Okay. That's what seems strange to me. I mean, he talks about all of those clothes and things, and that, that I think they were trying to hint at it. That's kind of the, the, the train scene Yeah. where that guy yells at him, and he... I'm like, I was like, was he dressed funny? Like, how did he know? But I mean, I, I mean, maybe there was something about his voice that made that. I, I, I don't know. Thought that scene was, um, I don't know, it was powerful. Well, I mean, they, I mean, you, I mean, you get that still with uh, when Karen comes out to her brother. Mm -hmm. He's very, he's like, he's okay with it, but he's also r immediately afraid. Yeah, he's like, keep it a secret. Because they're already persecuted. Mm -hmm. And it, that would add another layer of, 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 of persecution and prejudice. Yep. I don't know. It, I, I, I don't, it's, it, it's like, if I could think of, I use one word, this is impressive. Mm. This feels like an achievement. And it, and it's her first one. It's just crazy to me. It is, it, it is, it is, <laughs> it's, it, it's incredible. And it, like, it's, it's, it's different. It is like, I feel like, I think you're right when you said there's a lot of things that you could probably, like, you, you could cut some of the stuff in it that would, and the story would stay the same. Mm -hmm. But I don't want it to be less. Mm -hmm. I, I love all the little details. Oh, yeah. I'm saying, well, I really more meant it as like, you talk about the density of it mm -hmm. and just sort of the kind of way that I read I I get to a point where I get a little bored on a page if there's too many words and I start skimming and I think there's plenty of it that you can understand what's going on but you you know you can mine a little deeper and really think about what she's trying to say and there's there there is tremendous amount of depth there but I don't think you can quote unquote read this book and not read every single word I I mean I think there was a Dees himself says something similar <laughs> where he's like, I'm kind of a, or I look yeah, at I'm art. more of a pictures than a words guy. Yeah. And I was like, I think that's saying something about this. I, and I think that's interesting that she has him like there. I, I really love their relationship. Uh, Karen and Dees. I really like, yeah. they are it's really like a really in the, in this book that is really sad and full of kind of a lot of really tragic things and heartbreaking moments. Yeah, he's he's a messed up dude, but he's a pretty good brother to her. Yes, he obviously cares it deeply and wants to protect her. And I I think that her perspective on it is even more interesting because she sees this delineation and sees his, you know, the three personalities, you know, he's a princess, he's a knight and he's a dragon. Mm -hmm. And her, the way that she uses those kind of archetypes to describe him. And like it, even though she can use those archetypes to describe them, 
there's even things that she can't understand about them. You know, the knight is there to protect the princess to kill the dragon, but why, like, what is the princess there to protect? Or what is the dragon there to protect? It's really clever. I don't know. I could say more compliments. I don't, I don't, frankly, I don't really don't, I, my biggest criticism is I want part two. I want, I want to, I want to know what next. I want the more. I want to know what the heck is going on with Victor. And I want to know the end of Anka's story. And I want to know all this, like these different layers of things. What's going on? Who record, who interviewed Anka? Like there's all these mysteries going on all at the same time. And I, I need the answers. It'll be out soon. It's um, it's on a boat in Korea. <laughs> I believe it's held at held at the Panama Canal. Mm-mm. April April of next year is part two. My God, the cover of part two is really good. <laughs> That's funny. I think she has synesthesia. Who, uh, Karen? Yeah, she describes things as. Like sort of like having the wrong experience. She said it's like it, like she smells or tastes blue or right. It's interesting. I am super happy we read this finally. Yeah, I know. It's very good, and I don't know. I I I would go read it, go buy it. It's in find a physical copy. It's really nice. It really and it. I I feel like it is best read physic in a physical copy. Um, it's free if you have. Uh... Comicsology Unlimited. Yes, which is really nice. That's a, like that's crazy that they. I don't. Maybe they got to deal with fanographics or something. But uh, I'm ready for. It's already won an Ignatz Award, and I imagine it's going to win more awards because it it's is, uh, pretty fucking rad. It's pretty good. Uh, that was my favorite thing is Monsters Part One, Book One by Emil Ferris. Uh, next week we'll be reading uh, Constantine, all his engines. Mike Carey, Leonardo Manco, some uh, some more little bit more horror stuff for a spooky October. We haven't we've never read a, a Constantine story, so get some some Hellblazer in here. We never read a uh, yeah, for for a book club a trade yeah, yeah. For a book club. But uh, that'll be next week. Read along with us. I think that'll do it for us. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at HandsomeBoysComicsHour dot com. Links to everything there to our Facebook, Facebook dot com slash Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Twitter at HBC Hour. Uh, you can email us at HandsomeBoysComics at gmail dot com. If you like the show, if you're a fan, go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play Music, wherever you listen to us. Give us a five star review. Subscribe. Tell your friends. All of those things help us find new listeners, and we really appreciate anyone who takes the time. You can find me. On Twitter, at Robbie Dorman. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? You can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And most of the things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram and Twitter, where I'm known as EZGoodnight. With that, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.